Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Read the Chicago Reader to get up to speed on what's what in Chicago. Culture. Food. Arts and entertainment. Weekly concert listings. Weekly event listings. The environment. Travel. I can continue, but you get the point. And for all of you Chicago political junkies, raw weekly columns on real city politics from Maya Dukmasova and our very own Ben Jarofsky. The Chicago Reader. Free to the public in newsstands throughout the city and online at chicagoreader.com. Read it now and be a more informed Chicagoan. Hour number two of your Ben Jarofsky show is brought to you in part by SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana, the Chicago Reader, and the Chicago Federation of Labor. Benny J, take it away. Every Friday, Ramana Hussein, the pride and joy of the Chicago Sun-Times, editor, columnist, joins us to discuss the issues of the day. And generally, Ramana, uh, we have local issues and cultural issues. I'm still going to do a Romana's recommendation. I cannot allow that to go. But I know you're fired up to talk about what went down on Wednesday. Just the headlines breaking. Even as I sit here, I was just looking at it before you came on. Uh, Pelosi threatening impeachment if Trump doesn't immediately resign. Uh, your favorite cabinet member, Betsy DeVos, resigns. Just kidding. <laughs> she's not really your favorite. Um, Capitol Police officer dies from injuries uh, related to uh, Wednesday's insurrection. Fraternal Order Police head John Canizera says, hey, what's the big deal? Uh, you know, just boys want to have fun. Uh, Darren Bailey, state senator, Republican state senator, MAGA lover, says he's not even sure it was Trump supporters. It may have been lefties who were infiltrating uh, to make us look bad. Uh, madness everywhere. Ramana Hussein, let's just start with your general take on what went down and what's going down. First of all, I want to say Happy New Year to you and Dennis. I know everybody thought 2020, they wanted to say goodbye to 2020, and 2021 seems to be uh, pretty interesting so far. So <laughs> I have to say, um, Wednesday's event, as a former Sun-Times uh, co-worker told me, was very triggering for a lot of people of color or people who are Muslim like me and or people who are Muslim like me. Just watching the events, if you don't think white supremacy or white privilege exists, that should should have cemented, you know, any doubts you had. And or just it was just as the day went on. I mean, I don't mind telling you my opinion as a person of color and as someone who's Muslim and someone whose community has been targeted, targeted for just um, doing things that people think are suspicious. Um, and aren't, it's just watching this group be able to walk into the Capitol building and do take pictures, you know, sit, you know, one guy um, who was arrested and charged actually just today with um, sitting at Nancy Pelosi's desk. There was a, one guy who took a podium and ran away with it. I think he put it on the internet to sell. 
Um, these people were just able to walk inside. I'm not saying they're walking. They kind of pushed their way inside. Um, I know some people would argue that the cops let them in, but, you know, I'm trying to give the police officers the benefit of the doubt and saying that they're outnumbered. But the Capitol Police did refuse extra help that day that we know. And we know that if this was a Black Lives Matter movement uh, or a uh, protest or a protest involving people of color, say Muslims who were um, just out there just to, um, you know, for some sort of issue that had nothing to do with, you know, the presidency, I can guarantee you there'd be a lot more police presence out there. And if anybody like me or an African-American or a Latino or an Asian had run up in groups, I'm saying if the majority of us look, if more majority people look like that, they would have been shot dead. Nobody would have said there's just too many of them to outnumber. Um, I just think the whole the whole spread of events just just encapsulated what this country is. And it it just you know, you saw the pictures of the um, black men, um, White House uh, workers who were cleaning up the mess after. And someone said it really captures what America is. Black people cleaning up white people's mess. And then, you know, you have the president of the United States telling these individuals that we love you and you're special. I've never heard of any other group that has protested. And this group, I think we can argue that they weren't really protesting. They were writing. No other group in this country, when they are out there demonstrating for anything, whether it could be the most peaceful thing in the world, they could be anti-war protesters. Nobody tell no politician tells them they love them. And it's just I can tell you that a lot of people are also angry. A lot of you know, these are journalists who we're all talking amongst ourselves, journalists of color. And they're they're saying that they're just so upset at the way, you know, the individuals who died at this event who were Trump supporters and had, you know, questionable ideas and or that were bordering on racism or racist, you could say. It's like when they die, when they are talked about in the papers, they're basically humanized, which I think is something that should be done. Yeah, of course. But I don't think the same goes for other people. Same goes for other people of color when they die and or have some sort of, you know, controversial opinion. So I think a lot of people just feel... I don't know. Just, just, just not. It's not surprising and it's not shocking, but it's just, you know, it just. I think it's just triggering. It, it is the correct word that, um, you know, that friend and former colleague used. And I know it's a millennial word, but we're using. We we were laughing, but because we're using these millennial words. But you know, I know I, I can tell you that um, you know we've seen African Americans get shot for just standing outside or just existing. Um, I have um, Muslim friends who go overseas and, you know, they're doing charity work like Doctors Without Borders sort of stuff. And, you know, they happen to be in the middle of the I have, uh, you know, darker beard, they get stopped. But these white guys with beards can run into the Capitol building and do whatever they want and, you know, take selfies. And some of these selfies were taken with cops too. So, I don't know. I'm, I'm as a person of color, it's it's it just really hit home what this country really is, and mm-hmm. and it's kind of annoying us 
when I say us, a lot of people of color is when people say things like, this is not America and this is not who we are. It's usually said by white people. And, uh, and it is who we are. And this is what we've kind of been in. This is what we've been going towards in a long time. And, you know, our country was founded. There's a lot of things that, you know, a lot of people can argue and say that, you know, the way the country is founded, there's a founded in racism and racism has been part of our country since day one. And it's just, it's just been disheartening. And then, you know, then one of the things that got a lot of people upset who have ties in the Middle East, Latin America, or quote-unquote third-world countries, as you hear these talking heads on the news going, oh, my God, this doesn't even look like the United States. This looks like someplace in the Middle East. Or, you know, they... Yeah, Romana, I think... A lot we, of the chaos has been caused by our country. Yeah, go ahead. No, I think we lost you for a little while. Uh, you were in a great role, but uh, you went out uh, at some point. So, okay. uh, uh, but now you're back loud and clear. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, I... The, the point where you went out, you were talking about... It was a great riff, by the way. Uh, I, when, when, I, this, I know, I can talk about this. I know you told me to take my no, notes on this. I'm like, I don't need notes on this. I'm, I've been amped up. <laughs> For the last three days, two days. Yeah, I still. It's true. Before the show, uh, Romana uh, was was go uh, expressing some of the same views. I go, I can't keep up with you. I, I you got to write down some talking points. She goes, I don't need talking points, and <laughs> she proved it again. Um, one of the things you did say before the show, and I, you didn't say it this time, and I'd love to get you your, your thoughts on it. Um, you said. It's, I don't know if this is not a direct quote, but it's essentially, I'm paraphrasing, there's no uh, no accountability for white people, yeah. for the behavior, and talk yeah. about that. Well, it's it's like the accountability, it's like, I'm not saying that no white person ever gets charged with a crime. Clearly, there have been people, um, we did a story yesterday on how um, certain people went to the this uh, mass riot and, uh, you know, lost their jobs, or, you know, I don't know if you heard, but Tank Noodle in Uptown, which is a very popular place. Um, a lot of hipsters love that place. Turns out um, their owners went to the Trump rally and tweeted pictures of themselves going there. And so they got a lot of calls um, and a lot of people went on Yelp and started giving them negative reviews. So they, and they were they were they are Vietnamese descent. So that's a different group. Um, but I just feel like white people are held to different standards when they're held accountable. It's a different type of accountability. Um you know, when uh, there's someone like me or, you know, I, I think a better example is when there's a male that looks like me and they make some sort of joke online about how they want to bomb someplace. I'm not saying it's a joke. I don't think I, I don't think that's something you joke about. But if someone that, you know, comes from went to my mosque and all of a sudden puts on the Internet and says, I'm going to bomb this place. It's like it'll become like the front page news they're like say so-and-so who works at this company said he wanted to bomb this place and it becomes like a you know the feds will come in but we saw on december 25th in nashville tennessee when there was a white guy whose girlfriend or wife told the cops that this guy was making bombs nobody did anything so to see something say something only relies on when it looks like people of color but when it's white people, everybody kind of brushes it off or doesn't take it seriously. And we know that guy in Nashville ended up like blowing himself up. Nobody got injured. And But it's just like they're not they're able to do things that other people have to be careful to do. Um, one woman that I, I, I retweeted this tweet from this woman that I follow 
who's Middle Eastern, and she said that she was um, go- she was in D.C. the next day flying out of one of the airports, and she said there was a lot of people with um, MAGA paraphernalia, people who went to the riots, who were at the airport. And she said, I wonder if people who look like that will be taken off of planes, just like people who are wearing hijabs and people who are speaking Arabic and made other people uncomfortable be taken off of planes regularly. And they aren't held accountable. Nobody, no, I, I can say be on a plane and go see someone with a MAGA hat and be like, I'm afraid of them, but they're not going to be taken off a plane. I feel like, I feel like white anger has always, I think people have just normalized white anger and it's okay to be angry and white, but it's not okay to be angry and black or angry and angry and, you know, brown. And so this just exemplified what white people can get away with. Uh, it's it, it's just mind-boggling to me. Yeah, and I'm surprised uh, too. And I'm not like I, I hope people know that when I make fun of white people or say things about white people, I'm not saying all white people. So, uh, and I always like to point. I pointed out to you before uh, white anger uh, train going by as I'm saying this, and I, I right wing white anger. And I, and I make a big point out of this uh, because a radical lefty white oh, yeah. anger is not tolerated in this country uh, either. And I pointed but, this out to pointed this out just like I said to you to, when we were ca- talking this morning, and I'm going to make this point again. Rittenhouse killed two white radicals in Kenosha. And I think I see more sympathy for the guy who killed him than for the two people who got killed. So I just like to point out the difference between when anger uh if you're white white anger oh my god you poor victim you poor little thing uh but if it's lefty radical anger they're going we're gonna lock you up and shut you up and so there is a i have to argue that being (laughs) i would have to argue that white anger even on the left is treated differently than people of color anger on the left i mean i know we talked about the nato three guys i covered that case um these are three guys that um, a lot of people say shouldn't have been charged in the protests nato three it turned out they're just uh three guys who um talked about uh, setting bombs, but they were kind of egged on by undercover police officers, three white guys. And a lot of people argued they got, they ended up getting convicted of arson, I believe. And I think one of them got seven years, which I, I, a lot of people would say that he didn't deserve. And yeah, true. But don't you think that if there were Brown or blacks, the feds would have came in, I think it would have been totally handled differently. And when, Okay, even when lefty white people get charged or convicted with a crime, white people can still be individuals. They can still walk on and go on with their lives and do white activities, eat oatmeal, play with the hacky sack. You know, you can still do that stuff (laughs) and not be stopped. I'm just saying, you know, you're right. It's it's true. Um, When the San Bernardino, I think, California, um, guy i think it was like it was a shooting i believe in california was it the nightclub guy i forgot god there's so many of these but anyway um not to say that we have a you know very little crime in this country but you know he he happened to be a muslim and i remember reporters going into his house and pointing out that he had a prayer rug you know newsflash a lot of muslims have prayer rugs so when one person 
who is a Muslim or looks like me does something, it's like everything is suspect. If I start talking Arabic, people think I'm like suspicious. So white people can still do what they want to do. If they have a Trump supporting relative, nobody says, oh, why don't you take care of your Trump supporting relative or talk to them? Um, I can tell you in the newsroom when there has been uh, a terrorist activity miles away, miles away from Chicago, overseas, I've had reporters come up to me and tell me that my mosque needs to do something and talk to the young men or moderate Muslims, quote unquote moderate, I hate that word, um, need to start talking to our fellow Muslims. So why don't white people ever get held accountable for their crazy white people? I'm just saying there is a different standard. Uh, I would agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, by the way, what moderate Muslims talk about that? Yeah, and that's an offensive term to me too. Um, and for years, and this is this has been upheld by left um, after nine eleven. The good Muslims are the people who don't want to be Muslim, which is okay. I have friends who have varying. Can you hear me, Ben? Yeah, I, you, no, you're, I thought you stopped. Yeah. So I thought you're, I have friends who are you know on different ends of the spectrum on religion, um, which is fine. But there tends to be this. Oh, this is the good Muslim who doesn't really care about, um, you know, being practicing and, you know, wants to do everything and wants to fit in with the, the quote unquote American. They're the ones who are held up to a different, you know, like, oh, these are the good Muslims. And even like some of my friends who aren't that practicing, they find it offensive because, you know, they have parents who are more religious than they are. They have friends who are more religious than they are. And they know that's like that that's not true. And so, you know there are certain people who are always held up to the standards of, oh, this is a moderate Muslim and this is a regular Muslim. And we like the moderates, which basically means someone who quote unquote assimilates and doesn't do the things like what a Muslim does or what a practicing Muslim does. So that's kind of been, you know, that's what we've seen throughout, you know, the last few years. I mean, every, every person who is Muslim or of Muslim descent will tell you that. And even the ones who aren't as practicing, it's like there are good Muslims and then there's the Muslims who practice and they're the crazy ones. So mm. it's, it's just, it's, you know, like I said, being a black person and I would never say that, you know, my experience is the same as a black person. I mean, a black person can just be standing on the street doing minding his own business and he can get shot. But I guess yeah. it's okay for, you know, groups of white people to run inside a building and and they were armed. And as we talked about, a lot of them were neo-Nazis. Had, one guy had a shirt that said Camp Auschwitz. And I can tell you, if I had a shirt that said that as a brown person walking down the street, I would get arrested. Mm. But I guess it's okay yeah. to be a Nazi and come to the Capitol building. Uh, no, it was very scary, uh, very frightening uh, for American Jews as well, what went down on Wednesday. Because, like, you're right, and Camp Auschwitz, uh, and then another shirt that said the six million wasn't enough. Uh, and, um, you know, this is part, I mean, this is part of the rhetoric of the far right. And when I hear, like, that fraternal order police, Johnny Canizera here in the city of Chicago. I dismiss it as just sort of a, I don't know, a lark. Boys just having fun, you know, just expressing their their First Amendment protected right to uh, protest. And he's overlooking just all this evidence of 
like white hatred to people that they think are inferior to them. Like when you walk around with the Confederate flag, what does that say? A, a, yeah. a white man with a Confederate flag. What does that say? When you walk around a T-shirt that says six million was not enough. What is that saying? And so for anybody just to dismiss it, I, it is it is frightening uh, on one level. And so. Yeah. And you mentioned the head of the police union in Chicago. Could you imagine if there was a black head of the FOP and he said something about how he liked Louis Farrakhan? I'm just saying an example. He would be out. But this is somehow condoned. It's just this is the head of the police union in Chicago. Yeah, this is it. by the way, he uh, came up with an apology, which is a perfect segue into uh, another point. You have apologies and resignations uh, in the aftermath of five years of MAGA, in the aftermath of five years of Donald Trump. Uh, I don't you, you weren't on the air when uh, we when Dennis read Canizera's apology, which was a pr- pretty worthless apology, I might say. Uh, and Mary Miller, the uh, congresswoman from uh, downstate uh, Illinois. Yeah who said Hitler is right. It took her like three days before she came up with her worthless apology. And so now we have uh, Betsy DeVos resigning. Uh, Four years of going along with Trump, and now she's resigning like two weeks late, uh, two weeks to go. Your thoughts on all these resignations and apologies? I, I I, I think a lot of people would say it's too little too late. I mean, some people are applauding them and, and praising them for their courage. And it's, I kind of feel like, why? It's kind of like, oh, you get, we have, we have to clap for them and give them a cookie because it, because they, there was a riot and they realized everything that was happening the last four, four and a half years of rhetoric. I mean, Betsy DeVos said, she said she couldn't handle the rhetoric anymore like less than two weeks after Trump is going to resign. So she steps down. Elaine Chow, Mitch McConnell's wife, steps down. It's, I don't know. I, 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 I have to say that I do think that it's a little too late, too little too late. And I don't know why everybody has to treat them like, wow. You know, and I don't think a lot of people are, but there are some people who are like, you know, applauding them and go, oh, you know, they should be, you know, commended for stepping down and speaking out, speaking out when, you know, it, it, it matters. It, you should speak out when it matters, not when the guy that you were supporting for the last four years is suddenly leaving the White House. Yeah. By the way, uh, AOC, uh, Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman Alexander Ocasio-Cortez, uh, had an interesting perspective uh, in regards to Betsy DeVos resigning and Elaine Chao resigning. And that's that they were chickening out because they didn't want to have to vote on a uh, 25th Amendment uh, matter. In other words, the way the 25th Amendment works is oh, the vice president true. convenes a meeting of the, the cabinet and cabinet members are asked to vote as to whether the president uh, is medically fit to remain president. It's pretty clear that Donald Trump should no longer be president of the United States. He's lost his freaking mind. Uh, and so rather than have to cast that vote, they take the cowardly way out and they resign. Uh, so now they won't have to cast a vote, you know, or he'll be left with cabinet members who support him. That, that, that's a good point. That's a good point. My question is, I mean, one of our colleagues was saying that um, when you do invoke the 25th Amendment, it's not like a really quick process, is it? He said it could take like a couple days. So, but I guess it would be just more symbolic if they did something like that. 
I don't know. I would would love if you really want to take a stand. If you, if, if you really want to uh, take a stand against what Donald Trump did Wednesday, inciting insurrection, he told him. I finally got around to watching it, Romana. You know, uh, I finally watched the Donald Trump speech or a good chunk of it. And he said, I'm going to go with you. He said, that I'm going to go with you, which is in retrospect, hilarious just to think that he was going to waddle down to the White House. I mean, to the Congress. But I'm going to go with you. So he t- told them what they should do. He told them he was with them. He incited that riot. So if you're going to take a stand, you should stay in. And whether it takes two days or three days, you should do what you have to if you think he's incited a riot, if you think he uh, led effectively uh, an insurrection uh, that he at the Congress, if you think he attempted to keep Congress from certifying the election, which is clearly what he was trying to do, then you should take the freaking stand. Resigning is that like a, a whippy way of taking the stand. You follow what I'm saying? You should be there to vote him out. I do. I do. I agree. It's. I, I agree with you. I mean, let's see what happens. I mean, I feel like there's like a zillion things happening at once. The last two days have just been um, just one thing after another. Yeah. You know, coming out, people are resigning, you know, there's been arrest. Um, there was two local people that were arrested in, in connection with the riots. There was one guy who was a CEO for a company in Schomburg and another guy who was a tattoo artist from the Burbs. So, um, I know uh, some of our reporters, some of my colleagues have been looking for people who've been who went to each who went to the rally, not necessarily got arrested. And if there's any sort of, you know, fallout. And as as we've seen, there was with this restaurant in Uptown and then that one real estate agent did get fired from her um, real estate company. So I don't know. I, I don't think this is over yet. You know, like a lot of you know, a lot of people, you know, Trump, I don't think is gone. His followers aren't gone. There's still things that are, are going to happen. And I know a lot of people were saying that they were surprised by what happened on Wednesday. I don't know. I wasn't really that surprised. You didn't think you didn't think culmination of all this stuff and all this stuff being said that these individuals weren't enabled. So it was a culmination. And I, I really was not surprised. Uh, what I was, I mean, I guess what I was surprised at at the level of what they were able to do. I mean, there were some comical things, too. I have to tell you, there were some things that made me laugh about this riot. I don't know if you saw, but there were some people holding uh, flags of Georgia, but not the uh, (laughs) Georgia, but the actual country of the the country, Georgia. And then I don't know if you saw the people the walls of the Capitol. There were these uh, they were scaling the walls. And yesterday I saw this really funny tweet about how the steps were like just 10 feet away. But these guys wanted to show that they could scale the walls. And a lot of I've seen some memes that were shared by friends. And it said uh, white people showing you that walls don't necessarily work. So. <laughs> walls, walls so. don't matter. Uh, yeah, no, they they wanted to show how macho they were. Uh, very, and then the image, I've seen this one. I mean, there was so it's just been so overwhelming, uh, Romana. And uh, you're right, the story is unfolding as we speak. Nancy Pelosi is still uh, saying she's going to press on with impeachment. I just saw this uh, update. Joe Biden's backing off. You know, he doesn't know. He it's like if they want to impeach him, let let Congress impeach him. I don't want to have to this to deal with this. It's Joe Biden's attitude. 
uh, but that image, there was an image of a, uh, a MAGA insurrectionist, uh, a woman, I don't want to, I don't know how old she was, uh, but she was a portly woman and she was in bad shape. And so walking up those steps was difficult for her. And, uh, down. Yeah, no, but but she got him up. Obviously, she got up those steps. I don't think she was scaling the wall. So I think she walked up the steps and they realized what an arduous process this was. And then she had the long descent. And a Capitol police officer was helping her down the steps. Now, I'm all over the map on this one, uh, Romana. Oh. I, I'm with you 100% that, that if that was some uh, Black Lives Matter protester, she would not be... <laughs> No, not escorted down the steps. Not escorted down the steps. No, there was there was an elderly um, white man. Um, I'm giving the white guy props, but it was really sad, actually. In one of these Black Lives Matter protests, I think over the summer, he was kicked in the Buffalo. head. Buffalo. Buffalo. Yeah. Kicked in the head by cops. So, yeah. He was knocked down. He was knocked down. Yeah, and that was terrible. I thought he was kicked in the head. Sorry, he was knocked down. But he was an elderly man. Well, when he hit when he hit the ground, that's when uh, he, they knocked him down. And then when his head banged against the the hard ground, uh, that's when blood was shooting out. And he ended up in the hospital. Yeah. So I I saw that picture. I saw those pictures of the woman being. A lot of people were sharing the pictures of the woman being uh, escorted. Steps and it, it was a very telling. Like I said, this whole every little image in 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 this incident, it was just captured. You know the problems of this country, the white privilege and the white supremacy. White supremacy. It just everything about it was just all the pictures that were captured. And and I have to give a shout out to the photojournalists. I mean, the Sun Times laid off all its photojournalists or most of its photojournalists uh, several years ago. And you know they told us that we could all take pictures with our iPhone. This proves to you that no, we actually need professional photographers because a lot of those pictures captured what was happening in such a poignant way and such a telling way. I mean, the pictures are what really, I think, got the attention of a lot of people. And if you didn't have those photojournalists, I think a lot of these images wouldn't have been seen. Right on. Uh, I'm really glad you said that. Uh, I agree with you uh, 100% on that one. By the way, and, and and when I say that thing about the cop uh, helping the lady go down the steps, <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking... If you could imagine in a world, just I know you can't imagine this, but just like, let's say it was an older black woman at a Black Lives Matter movement and a white cop helped her. People would be like, it was so unimaginable. Yeah, but it would be viewed as a great thing. And so in some ways, I'd be like, hey, maybe like you could argue that police restraint saved lives. It was yeah. one person killed. Police restraints save lives. So like in Chicago, when there was the siege at uh, the Columbus statue, where the cops hit the uh, young activist in the head with the baton and shattered her jaw and everything, mm-hmm. or broke her teeth, no restraint. No. Like, maybe like, I don't know, if you just treat black people like you treat dead elderly white woman. Maybe that's the way to do it. Just apply it across the board exactly and you know what yeah that's fine if 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 black people were had their hands held down the steps 
then I wouldn't that that image of a white woman being held with her hand held down the steps would infuriate people because it shouldn't infuriate people. You should be holding helping an elderly person go down the stairs. But because it doesn't happen with other people and it just happens with white people, it makes people angry. Yeah. It should make people angry. Yeah, no, the double standards are just uh, overwhelming. Uh, and uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about this. Um, <laughs> I, I know we'll be talking about this next week, Ramana. It, this is unfolding. Just everything is just, like I said, by next week we could have had an impeachment. I don't know. I uh, I really believe, I want you to get your thoughts on this. I, I'm I'm completely all over the map on this. And I admit that. Many, I'm like this on many issues because I see both sides of the argument. I'm not quite sure which one I come down to. I abhor what Donald Trump did so much. I just feel it's inexcusable that he not be punished. That I think about the president of the United States inciting this insurrection in order to keep Congress from rubber stamping that's what it was. It was a rubber stamp process of a victory that was achieved by Joe Biden. The will of the voters. He was trying to undo the will of the voters. They made up BS arguments to justify their little temper tantrum. They had no evidence whatsoever of any fraud, of anything out of wrong with this election. They lost. And so he throws a temper tantrum, says disrupt the proceedings. I believe a, a woman was killed because of that. Four other people died of, of emergency matters, and medical no. matters, in, in, in the middle of the ride. Five people. Now, you know, when, when a, somebody steals a car in Chicago and goes on a road rage uh, and gets the cops following him and somebody gets killed, that person's charged with murder. Uh-huh. So you can conceivably charge Donald John Trump with murder. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It, and so I really feel he should be punished. On the other hand, that turns him into a martyr to MAGA. Forty percent of the population was is still following this lunatic, which is the really yeah. frightening thing. Well, Ramana. this goes back to my theory of uh, white people not being held accountable. So all this stuff that he's been doing the last four years, could you imagine Barack Obama doing anything of this sort and staying in power? So just I know a lot of people say he's going to become a martyr. But does that mean you're not going to hold him accountable? You're just going to let him get, get walk into the sunset and he's going to hang out in Margo, whatever that place is called, for the rest of his life? <laughs> you know, what? Like, why is he allowed? Why is he allowed to walk off into the sunset? Without without any sort of scars, I, I I don't know. I think he needs to be held accountable for some of the deaths, and maybe some of the, his Republican colleagues and people who stood by him need to be questioned too, as well. He's called these individuals fine people, hasn't he? He's called, you know, he's told them they're special. He loves them, so he has a connection to them. So to act like he doesn't have any sort of responsibility is just unfathomable. I think I don't know. I would think that. If this was another president and if this was Barack Obama, he would have been charged. And, yeah. you know, I don't know why there's an argument here, but I know but, I know what you're yeah, saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. But I'm like, why is it when it's a white president, we have to sit there and think about not making him a martyr? Valid point. I know I vote for impeachment, by the way, if I got the opportunity. I just want to give a shout out to Monroe Anderson, by the way. Uh, he comes on every Wednesday on this show. And uh, he's been saying from the get-go that uh, Donald Trump 
uh, first of all, uh, will be uh, defeated at the polls, but he will be impeached. And when that didn't happen uh, in, God, it seems this year, this, this was, I mean, it was the start of 2020 when the, he was acquitted in the Senate. Let's just think about that. He did basically the same thing with the Ukrainian president that he, tr- that he uh, did with the S- Secretary of State of, of Georgia, trying to intimidate them uh, into uh, overturning law to work his way. But um, when he wasn't impeached, Monroe <laughs> still said he wouldn't be impeached. And by the way, he may be right is what I'm saying, Romana. We still got, what, two weeks left? By the time we come on this show... Uh, you come on the show next Friday. We could be talking about a Donald Trump impeachment. Just oh. saying, Monroe may be right before it's over. Oh, I agree. I agree. Um, a lot of things could happen. I mean, a lot of things have happened since we last talked. So it can happen. But I think your ultimate point is a is a very good one. And is that uh, uh, if, if the, the man clearly incited a riot and he should be held accountable for it. Uh, and if that just means that 40% of the country is going to be uh, love him more then it's really responsible responsibility of the Republican party to try to uh, bring that 40% into some sort of like rational view of the world. Do you agree with me on that point? Yeah. I mean, they love him. I mean, what's a little love, what's like a 99.9% love to 120% love. Like what difference does it make? Like, they're going to always love him, right? The, the people who want to love Donald Trump are going to love Donald Trump, whether he's yeah. not charged. So, I, you know, what, what different, I guess, I guess, I don't know. Are they going to take a bullet for him or take, you know, go to prison for him? I don't know. But what, I mean, who cares if they love him more? I mean, the damage is done already. Yeah. And the damage is done indeed. All right. Uh, let's move on. Let's close with Romano's recommendations. Uh, it's, <laughs> you still got to live, ladies and gentlemen. Well, I, I got to say one thing that was pretty funny. I, was, I called my mom the day of the, um, the day of the riots and we were just talking back and forth. And then like my mom, you know, she's saying a lot of the same points we are. And then all of a sudden she's like, and you know what? Not all of them had masks on. <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, and, and what's worse, they weren't wearing masks. <laughs> I with your mom 100%. I thought the same thing. And I'm like, are we in the middle of a pandemic? Yeah, but look, it's just one of the many mixed messages. Uh, uh, I will say this about MAGA. You know, they uh, they don't believe that the pandemic's real. So I can understand that with the mask. My mom's like, oh, and they're none of them are wearing masks. What's going yeah. on? Yeah, it's, that's uh, your mom uh, is absolutely correct. Uh, but I would say at least the MAGA, uh, they don't believe there's a real pandemic. Lori Lightfoot's trying to open up the schools in the middle of a pandemic. And she supposedly believes that there's a pandemic. <laughs> Just go back to school right now. OK, forget the pandemic. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't no. mean to go local. We, uh, Ramon and I agreed that we were going to s- stay away from local stories today, although there's quite a few interesting ones. Oh, uh, Proco Joe Moreno, uh, uh, Ramana's favorite alderman, uh, is in Cook County Jail right now. We'll probably talk about that next week. Uh, and uh, Merrick Garland, the pride and joy okay. of Niles West. Uh, it's going to be attorney general. That's some delightful, delicious irony there, Romano. Yeah. yeah. And he's also from Lincolnwood. He went to the same uh, grade school and junior high that I did. He li- he grew up um, half a block away from me. Yep. Uh, in in Lincolnwood, uh, the number one 
Uh, graduate of Niles West is Ramon Hussein, and number two is Merrick Garland, in my humble opinion. <laughs> and number three, Richard uh, Mendenhall, the great running back. Uh, all right. Uh, I could now pretty much run out of uh, Niles West grads that I can uh, quote. Let's, uh, let's close it down with your recommendations. Ramon and I bitterly divided bitterly divided on the subject of uh, Sylvie's love. I watched it. I wept. I watched it again. I texted all my friends. You gotta watch Sylvie's love. Uh, I've already uh, reached out to um, uh, Sergio Mims, dear friend of the show, who comes on to talk about movies. He loved it every bit as much as I did. We're gonna do a whole Sylvie's love. <laughs> I've, I've been listening to the music. This is, I recommended to Ramada to watch it. Romana did not agree with me. Uh, no. All right, let's get another point of view. Go ahead, Romana. It's funny because I had another uh, friend, uh, a young man, told me, oh, you got to watch Sylvie's Love. He was telling me and my younger sister. And uh, so the lead actor is a former NFL player. And he was telling me, he's like, yeah, he did a great job. And I'm like, okay, I'm already skeptical of this because you probably just liked him because he's a former athlete. And, and he did a great job. I thought the acting was great. But I thought the story kind of lose lost a little steam um, in the middle, and then it then as my husband Mick said that it evolved and devolved into a soap opera. I thought the actors did a good job, and I thought the story was interesting. But we thought a few things like the guy being a jazz musician, and then all of a sudden like working construction or whatever he went to the factory. We thought that was a little far fetched. We're like, oh, okay, like nobody would hire him. He was supposed to be this great jazz musician. And at the end, I was just like, oh, wait, so did they go to Detroit or New York? That was my question. Mick's like, that's not the point. They're in love. <laughs> that was just, I thought it was good. I thought the story was good, but I felt like it lost a little steam. So I gave it two and a half stars. I thought the acting was good. Oh, it's not so bad. I thought it was. Uh, by the way, uh, I have to d disagree uh, with the great Mick Dunkey. Uh, the reality, many jazz musicians and really great jazz music. Wes Montgomery, one of the greatest jazz guitarists of all time. Uh, he was a welder for years. You can't make a living. That's one of the, the side stories. Uh, I'm going to have another guest come on, Charles Ellison. We're going to take the deep dive about this. But um, th that moment in time that they were depicting in terms of uh, Sylvie's love, the early 60s was when rock and roll uh, was... That's true. Putting jazz musicians out of business, and a lot they were a lot of them had to take uh, second jobs, uh, and uh, so yeah, like I said, Wes Montgomery is one of the great guitar players of all time. Was a but welder, there, but there were pulp kind of. Um, I guess they were saying that he was like this really great one. Like Miles Davis wanted to hang out with him, so we just thought it was a little far fetched. But you're probably right. I think one of the things I've also seen, I've seen write up pieces about how you know finally there's black films where black people take ownership of their music, of jazz, because often it's kind of painted in a, you know, I guess Mo Better Blues had, but that's that was the blues, I guess, or jazz. I don't it know. was jazz. It was jazz. Yeah. Uh, not, it was a trumpet player. I have to admit, I'm not a, I'm not a huge jazz fan, so I'm sorry for people who love jazz. Uh, no, I, uh, uh, but I, I will... Go ahead. And I just said that point. A lot of people were also, you know, I've seen articles about how this was a movie about black love. We rarely see that on the screen. So I understand why um, people like that. You know, usually this is a movie where, you know, seeing black people not, you know, you know, having confrontations with the police. They're living their lives and just showing that, you know, that aspect of 
black life. And I understand that. And I understand, I understand why people liked it. I'm just saying for me, it was a two and a half star, but then you disagreed with me on soul because I thought soul was really good. And you thought soul was okay. I thought soul was cute. So. Yeah. So I'm glad I got to see it. A shout out to Frank. I want to thank you, Frank, for enabling me to see soul. We'll leave it at that. Cause I don't want the Disney, the police to come crack down on Frank. Uh, but, um, I don't know. I, I, uh, I, Soul is the, the, uh, animated flick by Disney, uh, Pixar, uh, and in which a jazz musician, uh, well, I don't want to give it away, uh, quote unquote dies and I'll leave it at that. And it, 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 to me, Ramon, I was just like, it's like when I watch a Marvel movie, you know, and I was like, I'll go. And then about halfway through, I go, I know this is, Whatever's happening on the screen right now is exactly why I don't like Marvel movies. I don't know why I continue to go to them. And it, it's the same thing with Disney movies. If they just told the story of a jazz musician and, and his, you know, his struggles, like, by the way, that was the central theme of that story. He was a great jazz musician, but he had to teach school because he couldn't make a living. We don't reward jazz musicians in this. We reward rock stars. Guys who can't even play the guitar as good as Wes Montgomery never have to be welders. You know what I'm saying? So I think that's like the underlying theme. But how do they turn the great story about a jazz musician into a Disney flick? And that's I what kind of it. I liked it. I thought it was heartwarming, and <laughs> I had I thought the point of the story was you know I thought it was a good uh, it was a good message to us like you know while we're living in this pandemic about embracing life. So I like that better than I have to say I have to like that better than Sylvie's love and. Your friend Mick also liked uh, Soul a lot better. He like we agreed on this. We agreed on this. We both thought it was really good. You didn't like Coco either. That was a great Disney flick. I've not seen Coco. I'm see, uh, not yeah. See that Coco okay. was like a really good movie. That's one of my favorite more recent Disney movies. Um, I, I I liked it. And then um, my other recommendation. I don't know, Dennis. Dennis, were you a Karate Kid fan? I know you're. Younger. Oh, absolutely. One of the one of my favorite movies. The first so, one. Yeah, it was, it was, yeah, the first one was like, I was like in junior high when the first one came out. I loved it. And I don't know if you're watching Cobra Kai. No. But uh, so season three of Cobra Kai is now on Netflix and it started on January 1st. So a lot of Gen Xers were excited and ready to start the new year with Cobra Kai. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm not going to whiz, go through these really quick. I'm going to go through them slowly, but I finished it within three days and it's so cheesy. But if you, if you liked, if you liked, if you liked karate kid, it's, it's great. I I've been telling a colleague of mine um, whose mom passed away and she told me she was watching the karate kid and she saw it three times just to kind of make herself feel better. Then I'm like, Oh, you know, you should watch Cobra Kai because it's the guys like 30 years later, it's Danny and Johnny 30 years later. And it shows you the perspective of the bully. And I go, I'll kind of change your perception of the movie, but it's great. And the third season has a lot of um, surprises. You'll see a lot of faces from the first one and the second one, which I also went to the theater to see, but it wasn't as good. All right. Well, I want to watch Cobra Kai, and uh, I urge you to check out uh, Death to 2020. And that's my recommendation for you, which is a, a Netflix mockumentary. Uh, which uh, chronicles the year 2020 and does it with a sense of humor. But as I was telling you before the show, Iran, it's already outdated. <laughs> the insurrection at the at the Capitol, uh, incited by Donald Trump, is beyond anything that's in the 2020, which yeah. is 
really hard uh, to fathom. All right, Ramana, uh, outstanding job as always. Uh, stay safe, stay sound, and uh, we'll talk to you uh, next week, all right? Okay, it's good seeing you guys again. Happy New Year. All right, I want to thank Ramana Hussain, outstanding job as she does every Friday. Uh, and coming on this show, and of course, the man with the legend, oh. the pride and joy of all the remember, without remember. Him, show be possible. And just want to say, as Lori Lightfoot, Stacy Davis Gates, and Samantha will tell you, back home in Alton, Illinois, they call him White Lightning. <laughs> White Lightning. That's his Kid Flash imitation. That sounds a lot like his Mitch McConnell imitation. Keep yourself raised, take another petty cash. Have a great weekend, everybody. Face coverage. Face coverage.